you think about Russell Westbrook in a skirt? I think um, it's interesting, right? Because I think if we look at Westbrook in a skirt, we also have to remember that Westbrook is from L.A., like straight game culture, sea walking, you know. So for him to get to that space, that's a big leap. And I intellectually, think intellectually, what he's aware of socially, right? So I think we are talking about a reimagining of masculinity, which is not separate from, you know, what is gender. It's a ratio. Okay, though. It's a ratio. Okay, though. That might be the best question I've ever been asked. <laughs> You's a phenomenal person. I mean, you legendary. I am a fan of you, my brother. Mitchell Jackson, winner of the Pulitzer Prize, has written an amazing book called Fly, which breaks down basketball fashion throughout the decades. I love this book. He's a great writer. Let's talk about basketball and fashion with Mitchell Jackson on Torre Show. Okay, so I love this book, Fly. Very interesting, broad Mm -hmm. look at the world of basketball fashion through the years. Mm -hmm. First off, who are a couple of the guys whose day-to-day fashion, Mm -hmm. you're like, he's the man. He's crushing it. And who's a couple people who you're like, dog, you need help, (laughs) dog. It's not that hard. There are stylists out here who could save you from yourself. Man, I'm going to start with the positive. Mm. Uh, I think um, a guy whose day-to-day style I actually like, and this is going to sound almost maybe even a hearse, I actually like LeBron's style. You give LeBron a lot. He gets the first two big, beautiful pictures, and he does look amazing in his current era. He's not too wild. Right. That's that's why I'm picking him, because I think he has a fashion that is aspirational, right? Mm -hmm. So... Even the jewelry, he has the right brands. So if you are like, it's like hip hop almost, right? Like when Diddy and all them and Jay Z was started to dress up, like that was aspirational. So I feel like Bron is that. My one thing about Bron, mm-hmm. when I see him, I say, "Oh, he listens to his stylist." Yes. Okay. Rather than thinking, "Damn, he knows how to put it together." Yes. So he's fashionable, and I think there's a difference between being fashionable and being stylish. I think a fashionable person has the information and they have the resources to put the looks together. But I think a stylish person is going to take that fashion and is going to make it their own in some way. So I think Bron is is very fashionable. But most people are fashionable, right? Like, if you go into a room with 300 people, there might be two stylish people in the room, but there might be several fashionable people. So I think for that, he's someone that people can aspire to be because to be stylish, you got to have something else. And it's like, how many people are really artists? Mm-hmm. So stylish is a higher yeah. innate ability yes. to take almost nothing and yes. make it look fly yeah. yeah, as opposed to fashionable, which can be bought and figured out. Yes, yes. Or a stylist a stylist can get that to you, right? This so is how who, you do it. who else is on your, let's say, your top five who's killing the yeah. game? I think Jordan Clarkson is fashionable. Yeah, he, he has a bohemian look. It's really his. Obviously, Shea Gilgis, Alexander. Uh-huh, the Oklahoma you know, City Thunderstorm. Yeah, voted most fashionable two years in a row, right? Most fashionable man in the world, not just in basketball. Really? 
Yeah, he got GQ's most fashionable, two years running. Interesting. So you got to give him some love. Um, I like what Devin Booker does. It doesn't look technically that hard to do, but he's committed to almost a theme. Yeah. Um, so I like that. Um, he has. He does have a particular aesthetic. You couldn't just. You could copy, but you wouldn't look right. Yes. Because he lives that. Yes. It's also in the car. He got the low riders. Yep. It's it's yep. it's his whole thing. Yes. Is is in that pocket. Right. Right. So that's why I think about stylish. Right. Like it has to be a representation of your identity. Yes. So so I for that reason I'll say that rather Booker. otherwise it's a costume. Yes. And you you can you can see it you know when some people where they get dressed up and like, I don't feel comfortable yeah 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 I think we need a big dude in there though man I'm gonna go back to uh, one of the guys that got this started especially since we're in New York to a Mary Stoudemire uh huh uh huh uh-huh. uh, I remember I don't know if he still does it but when I first started researching this book and I went to his website it said he's calling himself Mister Fashion and he was really one of the pioneers of this right like I think. I'm not sure if it was him or Mello, but one of those guys was the first guy to make the Met Gala. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, you know, there's nothing. I mean, he's scarves and hats. Yeah. And he does he it to, up. Exactly, exactly. And him, I think, he's out there with his looks. Yes. Right? I don't yeah. think, oh, he listens to his stylist. Yeah. Even though he was one of the first dudes to use Rachel, I think. Rachel Johnson. See, I mean, you can use a stylist and still be in conversation yes. with her or him. Yes. Versus, you know. Just w- listening. W- what you call? <laughs> what are those boxes where they send you, wear this? Yeah. <laughs> And I wore all the stuff in the box, and I looked dope. You got that but, Ivy Park gift box, yes, and you just and no, put it all up. nothing wrong with that. <laughs> so, so okay, who needs help? Uh, man, Tyler Hero. <laughs> have, you, have you seen some Tyler Hero fits? No disrespect, Tyler, if you're hearing this ever, but it just feels like he's trying. Like he's mm. trying so hard. To not only be fashionable, but to make people talk about what he's wearing. And it just, it doesn't seem like it's a reflection of him yet. Who else? Man, uh, call people out. Um, who else? Who else do I see? And I'm like, that ain't it. We got it. We, we have a best dress. We got to have a worst dress. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We can't just uh, hand out flowers. Yeah. Uh, what? I. I think Kevin Durant can do better. Mm-hmm. For sure. I think he has coached. I mean, I do think it's like a reflection of him. It's like this insouciant, you know, I don't care. Mm-hmm. But he does care, right? Mm-hmm. Like even given, you know, people say like on Twitter you see him, or I guess X, right? Like he don't care, but then he responds to everybody who has a critique, right? He clapped at me. <laughs> See? Over basically nothing. Yeah. I was like, what, Rich, why is he attacking me? What the fuck? Exactly. Go on. So so I think, I think, and especially for where he is, is like now an elder statesman in the league, mm-hmm. someone who, you know, is arguably the second best player of his era. Some people think the best player. Like, I want, I want more from him. It's interesting you say that because I was looking at the pictures for – the latter, the recent generation. Yeah. And like Chris Paul's wearing some things, and I'm like, I would wear that. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, some other things. I think Amari, I'm like, if I was feeling courageous, yeah. I might do that. <laughs> yeah. And Kevin had a fairly simple outfit. I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> you talked the one with the hat and the shirt. <laughs> yes. And it's denim. Yeah. It's just, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm in denim. And it's all, I was like, no, nah, that's not it. 
<laughs> and I don't know why. It was very simple. Yeah. So it's interesting because the modern guys, a lot of the modern guys, if I told you these, if an alien came with these, these are the artist philosophers of the day. Mm. And they'd be like, oh, well, sure. Because yeah. look at him with the scarf and yeah. the hat and the gigantic this and yeah. the skirt. And like, I believe, but no, they're yeah. actually basketball players. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, way more than football yeah. and baseball, these guys go go to another, the nth degree. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Now, I mean, I... Why? Why? I think... Um, well, one, I feel like there's a lot of pressure in the league, right? Like, if you are a pioneer of something, which I think the NBA is a pioneer of professional sports fashion, you know, or at least viewed that way, I think these guys feel that, like, you got to carry that mantle. And then you have fewer guys in the league, so the ones who do it stand out more. And then you have a league who's marketing it more, right? They were early on it. They're doing it more. So there's a lot more eyeballs and they're also just more popular athletes too, right? But there's a lot more eyeballs on them, which is a lot more pressure. Um, yeah. So well, we've seen, I mean, it's been an interesting, what is it, 20, 30 years? Mm-hmm. I think you you note Iverson as a key figure in the history of, yeah. of all this, right? And yeah. for sure. And I feel like in that era, you saw a lot of guys sort of slumping into the arena in like gigantic baggy suits <laughs> yes, yeah. or sweat suits, yeah. right? Looking like they're going to practice, whatever. Yeah. Famously, David Stern was like, fuck that. Yeah. Dress like you're going to work. Yeah. But they didn't look stylish. Yeah. And then fast forward 20 years, they could be going to the Met Ball with yes. what they're wearing into the uh, arena, right? I mean, yeah. Adam Silver doesn't tell have to tell these guys how no, to dress. No. They think do they think the tunnel is part of becoming a star? Absolutely. Absolutely. A I, pop culture star, obviously, it doesn't help on the court, but yeah. as far as getting to the larger level. Right. Yes. So I did an event um, with this woman named Tammy Brooke, and she was, you know, is still one of the architects of like connecting the athletes to high fashion and to really hip hop. And she was talking about how there's kind of a template, right? Like you start getting the attention. In your, in your Instagram, right? Like you start tagging the designers, then you start getting invited to different things. And somehow you ended up, not somehow, you end up at, you know, GQ Man of the Year. And then before you know it, hopefully you get an uh, invite to the Met Gala. So that's like the pinnacle and that's like the trajectory. And I think these guys recognize that, right? Like she can't be the only person that has that information. Um, and then they've seen it, right? They've seen a Mary. They've seen Carmelo. They've seen, well, Brian, I don't think has been because he's always been playing <laughs> around that time. But, yeah, I mean, I think there's a template for getting there. Um, and who wouldn't want to sit next to Anna Wintour? Sure. You know, if you think you're fashionable. Like, what? there's nothing bigger than that, really. Will you see that as part of a journey to pop culture celebrity? Yes. Which beca- then you can become a big marketer. Yes, yes. Well, also because it doesn't even – it doesn't necessarily matter how you play. I mean – if you're playing well, it obviously can make you bigger. Everybody likes a winner. But some of these guys, you know, Jordan Clarkson was sixth man of the year, but I don't think people are like, that's a superstar He's in the off NBA. The bench. Yeah. So so I think that's another an, another I mean, thing that Russell has changed. Westbrook. Right. Well, is I mean no longer a great player. Yeah. Yeah. But is super famous. Yeah. Like pop culture famous. Yeah. And- yeah. I mean, he was at the the last LV show in Pharrell. I mean, look at how many NBA players were at that 
LV Pharrell. You got show. a lot of pictures of guys in skirts. Yes. Hyper-masculine men yeah. wearing skirts. Yeah. Nobody more than Russell Westbrook, but yes. he's not the only one. No, no, no. Sergi Baca, Jordan Clarkson. Yeah. What do you think about Russell Westbrook in a skirt? I think um, it's interesting, right? Because I think if we look at Westbrook in a skirt, we also have to remember that Westbrook is from L.A., like yeah, straight cool. gang culture. Yeah. Sea walking, you yeah. know, so for him to get to that space, that's a big leap. And I intellectually. think intellectually, what he's aware of socially, right? So I think we are talking about a reimagining of masculinity, which is not separate from, you know, what is gender, you know? For sure. Right. Wait, have you talked to him or read or heard him talk about why he's comfortable wearing a skirt? I have not. I have not. Because I don't know what's his philosophy behind it. Because yeah. you're right. That it's, it's a big leap for me. And yeah. my life circumstance doesn't yeah. go yeah. the trajectory that his goes. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I can only imagine that he—I he I don't know how you could do that and not see yourself in conversation with the LGBTQ plus movement. Like, I just— Okay. How could you do that, right? And obviously, everyone that has done it that I know of in the NBA is wearing Tom Brown. So it is still— High fashion. I just was reading, um, I think Tom Brown just went to like $800 million or something as a valuation. He was saying how when his brand first started, he was wearing the clothes just in New York and people were like laughing at him. Uh, they didn't understand it. And so obviously Tom Brown's probably a, Takes work. a big difference from Russell Westbrook. But still, I think he has carved a niche, right? And they recognize that he is high fashion and he's New York. And so that's also a part of it. But I, I still feel like it's a cultural Social thing. I, that I know doing. some. There is there's some high fashion celebrity straight men who are like willing to wear a skirt every now and then. Yeah, yeah. I general. I, I am over the sociological thing of okay. like man in skirt weird. Like yeah. I'm I'm past that. I'm yeah. Like fine. It's all fabric, dude. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. But I do feel like the skirt or the dress mm-hmm. is made to accentuate the female form. Okay. Right? Yeah. And especially the hip to waist yeah. uh, ratio, ratio, right? Like yeah. it really accentuates that, right? Yeah. And, and you see like how skinny her waist is, right? Mm-hmm. And the male body doesn't do that. Mm. So I'm like generally the skirt or the dress, <laughs> it doesn't flatter our form. So I'm just too like just – Basic aesthetics. It doesn't look good on us because it doesn't fly. I think Russell. Unless you got the Adonis. Unless you got the. You know the, the what is it the the Adonis measurements where you got the broad shoulders and then your waist is super small, and which Russell, is Westbrook Russell, and yes. Ibaka and to a certain degree Clarkson. So they have a particular man's frame. That Not can to pull be in here talking about bodies, right? Like no, but we're talking about you it know in, Shaq can't pull it off. <laughs> right, right, right. You know he right. he probably as wide as this table in the midsection. <laughs> We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. 
Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. One of the people who helped inspire me to want to be in broadcasting is Oprah Winfrey. She's an inspiration for so many of us, but her daytime talk show was so incredible. And it told me that you could be black and authentic and real on TV. And that made me want to do it, too. Black Stories, Black Truths is NPR's new collection that's a celebration of blackness. Each of NPR's black voices are as direct, varied, distinct and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and how to create world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account of what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. Black perspectives that haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story, but now they are the story. On NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, as nuanced, and as Black as we are. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> so you you also talk about Jordan yes. as the key figure before Iverson. Absolutely. How did Jordan change it? I think Jordan is what took the like Jordan is the measure of celebrity, maybe in, in all of sports. Yeah. Maybe in America. Like there was a time when Jordan was like the most popular person on the planet. And yeah. I think for him to be in the NBA and for them, you know, obviously Magic and Bird kind of got him back on track right after yeah. the 70s and all the drug use. But Jordan took them, I would say, to their apex. For sure. And so I think there was also a um, a need or a feeling to recreate what Jordan did in the way that Jordan did it, which is like, pitch man, don't ever say the wrong thing, play your games, you know, the Republicans buy sneakers, and then here comes Iverson as a like almost antithesis to Rebellious. the Jordan. Yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, Iverson was definitely shaking things up as far as the size, yeah, and 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 just injecting street culture yes. into it. Yeah, Jordan was seemed to me, to my recollection, fairly conservative suits. Yes, tailored conservatively. Yeah, look like a professional businessman. Yes. As opposed to today, we're getting serious fashion statements. Jordan would have never done the Tom Brown suit with the shorts. No, I don't know. No. But also think back, those guys were wearing custom suits, right? There was a guy, a a handful of guys who would go to the rooms, measure you up, give you six or seven of the suits you wanted in different colors. So that's what Jordan and them were wearing. They didn't even have the acumen to dress like this yet, right? Like right. there was, and I can imagine that the the custom suit guy didn't want them to have that acumen because they sure. had the resources. So so it took the stylist really 
to get connected to them to say, no, no, you don't, you don't got to go to the custom suit guy or he can do another thing for you, but here are these brands over here. So I really feel like if Jordan had that liaison between him and high fashion, he might have did it. With the brands, what, what are you getting with the brands that mm-hmm. you're not getting with the custom suit guy? Cache, mm-hmm. right? Every brand that we think of that has a really high cache has a story attached to it. LV, it elevates Balenciaga. You. Yeah. It's like by association, right? It's like having the imprimatur of whatever that story it's a, is. It's a, it's, a, it's a whole language, the world of these brands. So you're yeah. kind of saying, I know how to speak that language. Yes. Yeah. Because I saw Chris Paul in one of yours. Got a great suit, mm-hmm. dimple in the tie. Mm-hmm. With the, the, and it's like, I know how to, I, and of course. That's that GQ Chris, cover, I think. Yes, yeah. and I think, of course, Chris knows how to do it. But yeah. I'm like, I know how to do it, right? Yeah. It, well, yes, also he had the sweater mm-hmm. and underneath it the tie, yeah, which was yeah. a thing for a minute, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, I, I know how to put it together, yeah. right? Like, I know how to do this. Yeah. So if it was Jordan, the number one icon of, of fashion, and then Iverson, and then who is it? LeBron in after them, or there's nobody who's having that seismic of an uh, of an impact as Jordan and Iverson on the fashion. I think after we come from Jordan and Iverson, I think those are we can hold those up and say they are certainly the ones of their generation, like the. Uh, but then I think it's it's a collective. I think we're really talking about Bron, D. Wade, and Chris Bosh, and probably I'll put a Mary Stoudemire in there. So it's like those guys of that generation are all doing it at once. And yes, Bron is the brightest star, but he's not. He might not even be the brightest star fashion wise, right? Because I also would put Westbrook in there. So Westbrook, Bron, D. Wade, Chris Bosh, and a Mary are doing it around the same time, which is how we get to the tunnel. D-Wade is yeah. really going there. He's going hard, man. <laughs> and you know what it is? It's just Chicago in him. Uh-huh. You know, the Chicago people, like, they they don't want to be New York, and then they're not West Coast. Like, they can take those influences from both coasts and really go hard. It's, it seems more than Chicago to me. To me. I don't know. Because <laughs> it's it's it's... It's way. He's a fashion philosopher. Yes, yes, yes. I'm like, I don't even understand what you're doing, bro, but go ahead. But that's also, too, like, you know that picture of Magic in the fur? Uh Uh-huh. I'm like, Magic knew he was a star. Like, Like, this is how a star dresses. Yes. You see Bron on the cover with the suit that he wore from the night he broke Kareem's record. I'm I'm a star. And I think that D-Wade, remember, this dude comes in winning a chip. Yeah. So from there on, he is a bona fide star. And yeah. what do stars do? I do what other people won't or can't do. So I feel like he's always had that in him. Mm. Did you like the Tom Brown suit on LeBron in the press conference that he stormed out of petulantly? <laughs> uh, you talking about when he brought the bag, when he had the whole team? Well, it's interesting mm-hmm. that you use the word bag and yes. not purse because yeah. it's a very fine line. Yeah, no, it's a bag to me. It's a bag. It's, it's a, bag. a fine line. <laughs> I'm like, it's big, so it's not purse Yeah, it's a duffel bag size. But women would use that as a big purse. This is true. So, Granny, definitely. Right. Everything in there. Right. Your grandma. Get the little dog in there. All you need. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did like it. I liked the tailoring on it. The tailoring's I liked, good? I liked... 
I like is, a monochromatic look. I like that the color and the yeah. monochrome. The shorts is so aggressive. I know, but again, if you a star, like you got to be able to go where the other people won't go, right? Like when you writing your takes, right? You gotta you gotta go where you gotta know wherever they went, and you gotta be able to go where they won't go. Otherwise, why are we we just an echo? And Brian is not an echo. Brian is the one hollering. It's interesting because there was that period of the faux nerd look with yeah, the backpacks yes, yes, with the, gr- the glasses. heavy glasses. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was fun, but yes. weird. It was weird. And it, <laughs> it was a ephemeral but very memorable moment. Yes. <laughs> I didn't understand it. Do you understand? Because it, it, Westbrook yeah. rocked it. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Durant yep. was Ron in it. Ron did it. Bronze. D-Way did it. Yeah. But also, I think those are all guys who didn't go to college. And I think mm. they were kind of reliving the aesthetic of what would it have been like to be collegiate. Mm. None of those do. I mean, I mean, D Wade did, but I think of, of the rest of them didn't, right? <sighs> no, Durant was in Texas. So I mean, they none of them finish, right? Well, no, right, UCLA, no, right, right, for sure. Nobody, <laughs> nobody finishes. finishes nobody good finishes anymore, <laughs> for sure. Um, you interested? You take interesting side drops mm-hmm. into different aspects of it. Yeah. I hadn't really thought that much about latter-day hair. Mm-hmm. 70s basketball was yeah. all about the afros. And that was, yeah. Uh, but the beard, Harden's yeah. beard, yeah. It's, it, it, it's a thing. Yeah. You know, Rodman's hair. Absolutely. A lot of people communicated messages with their hair. Yep. It's, it's, it's part of the whole game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you think about... If we take it out of this realm, like how much pushback there is for women, especially black women's hairstyles, right? Yeah. Can't get a job. You're getting fired. You're getting flacked. Um, so I think there is there is that, right? There's like, I am going to represent how I feel. I'm also going to push back against what's respectable, mm. right? As that respectability was, was hard on them in the 50s <laughs> and 60s. Uh, so I feel like that's how we get to the Afro, right? Like we not your brand of respectable anymore. We don't have to be. Um, and I think that really, and and also I feel like, and you look now, I was watching the um, uh, NCAA tournament uh, last year and like all the kids had the like big froze or the braids. I'm like, oh, this is this is where we are now, right? It's, it's like you can see it coming. But then I imagine by the time they get to the league, everybody will be shortcuts again because you got to do something different. Mm. Yo, every draft. Is a comedy show to me. Yeah, they yeah. all look crazy. Yeah, like fucking clowns. Yeah. <laughs> well, I will say I did like Jalen Green's. Remember the the you didn't like that sparkly suit. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. Maybe one in a hundred is yeah. passable. Yeah. They generally on draft day. Yeah. They generally look crazy. But look though, what would you wear if you had been planning this outfit for? 15 years, right? Like these, these they, they, they 18, 19, 20, they've been wanting to go to the league since they was five years old, playing on a little Nerf hoop in their house. That mm-hmm. means they've been planning draft day for at least 15 years. And I, I you planned, gotta go I wouldn't come out. up with that. You, how do you know? Have you ever planned an outfit for 15 years? Uh, I, I would first, no, I don't think I can think about an outfit for 15 minutes. But oh my God, like, oh my God. It's, it, yeah. it, and, and can't anybody jump in and say, hey. But hey. they got stylists now. Some of them are doing it. Like, there's a picture of uh, Darius, Gar- 
Darius Garland uh-huh. from um, Cleveland. Uh-huh. He had the fear of God suit. Very, you know, understated, you know, open jacket, uh, tone on tone, tans, right? Like that's a, you could wear that somewhere. Yeah, yeah, go, go ahead. On. Let's, yeah. <laughs> These boys. I think he might be in the Fo- top draft suits. Football is the same, man. Man, football is they a look different ca- thing. crazy. I mean, like, they, oh, God. This, you didn't like that Dolce and Gabbana right this there? This Jason Tatum. This He's a star. Insane. He's a star. He dressing it's, like a star. He, it, it, Dog, this is insane. <laughs> <laughs> this is insane. What the, wait, where's the draft? The draft, I think it's back pretty, pretty far. Did I pass it? No, no, I think it's, I think you got to keep going. Yo, yeah, yeah, it's, it's back like maybe middle of the book. Um, Jesus Christ, <laughs> this is crazy man! Like Look at your boy D Wade. Oh God! <laughs> I, and they, I mean, they be just like they. they is, go that camera. is that the uh, camera direction you were yes, talking about? Yeah, I, just, I don't even know what's wrong with this. So I'm like, you just ain't doing it. No, something's I don't know. Something's off. Something's off. They, you know. You don't talk about sneakers that much. Yeah, no. In this, yeah, and you could. Yeah, I mean, I think what there is to say about sneakers in the broader scope is that we don't have sneaker culture without Jordans. For sure, of course. And uh, you know, as much as I think sneakers are part of a look in fashion, um, most of the looks in there are really high. Fashion looks, though, right? It's not a lot of streetwear, and there is, there is, um, but yeah, I, I think you could, you could, click, you could easily argue or have a whole section on on. You could have a whole section on Jordans, but you could have, have a whole section on sneakers for sure. Yeah, I mean, you could do a whole book on sneakers. Yeah, there actually is actually now that we're talking, one just came out. Another one. Uh, yeah, I, I forget his last name. I think his first name is Russ. Actually, just came out yesterday. It's a lot of stupid chains in the modern era. Man, listen, it's hip hop. You remind me too here with this picture of Jordan with the earring. Mm-hmm. It was the hoop big, earring. It was a big deal. Yes, and the goatee. Uh, but at, at that point, to get for a straight man to have an earring was shocking. Yes, to some regular yes. folks. Yes, my yes. mom included. Yeah, my and, dad too. Right. <gasps> I got my ear pierced. Had to put the broomstick in there so he wouldn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, son, is that a stick in your ear? No, no, dad, that's how my ear looked. That's how it looked. <laughs> that's how my ear looks. That's just how it looks. The NBA is very controlling of the outfits, right? Not, yeah. not I don't. I mean, like on the floor when uh-huh. you're oh, playing, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. As far as the size, yeah. Right. They don't want to call attention to, right? Because guys, yeah. you guys have worn it baggy, whatever. Yeah. They don't want that, yeah. right? I think they are a little loose, but if you notice, like, those Iverson years, he was wearing huge oversized yeah. stuff. Yeah, so I think they they have an opinion about that. But I but I also feel like maybe this is the era where the, the even the jer- – like, they're doing so many more custom jerseys now, yeah. right? They're doing throwback jerseys. And I think because they're allowing the expression of fashion in the other areas that they're getting a little more loose with. But the sil- – I mean, Adam Silver seems to be more – Open to letting them do what they want to yeah. do. Yeah, and he's more progressive than Stern. Right? Yeah. Stern was very uh, dictatorial. Yeah. I mean, it's probably age. I don't know how, how old Silver is, but I would imagine he's probably not 60 yet. And Stern was of a different 
generation. But the guys were coming with a different energy, right? Like under Stern, he's trying to make it a, a gigantic yeah. sport, right? Yeah. It's a slow slog upward with that. Jordan yeah. and Magic and Bird are helping, but yeah. like we got to work this upward. Yeah. And um, these guys are coming in like they're going to the, you know, like they're going to the freaking practice. <laughs> right, right. You know. We got to get a handle on that. Silver has you a. see it? There it go right there. Man, here's there, right the guys. There. The tan. The, you wouldn't wear that, that Fear of God suit right there? This? Yes. This Lando Calrissian <laughs> Luke Skywalker thing? I mean, I would wear that n- not for draft day. Right, but, but, maybe, but to me. Maybe on another day. Okay. But man, we got guys. This guy got a red suit. Yeah, with a, with and, a and you know it's crazy because his style and, is nice. Now he's one of my favorites, D'Angelo Russell. That's in the yeah, ring. Yeah, yeah. You got to evolve, man. That's what I think. Like it's so much pressure on draft day, man. It's like, what are you gonna do? You've been thinking about this your whole life. Look at that Samaki Walker hat. That's classic. Even LeBron looked terrible on Dread. My God, he looks like a gangster from the twenties. Yeah, the suit is gigantic, and he what is but happening? But he had the right color on. He was letting us know. Letting us know what? He was the one, the chosen. That w- <laughs> you know, the chosen God. one wear white. J- J- Jalen looks crazy. Jalen yeah. Rose is here in a red pinstripe suit. This I like what- that though because Jalen is Detroit. So he is representing where he's from in that photo. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Detroit players. Okay. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. Um, Why would you want to go down this road at all? Um, They brought the idea to me. Uh, I didn't, you well, know, when I was like, is this a good use of that, time? I was that, like, oh, man. That must be nice. What? Yeah, boy, they yeah. pitched yeah. The, uh, this idea to you. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. I was lucky. Damn. But it, it made sense. I, How I've come been writing they don't have it. my number? <laughs> <laughs> they probably do. You're doing this oh, too wow. much. They chose you over me. No, no, me. no. You're doing <laughs> this too much. They're like, nah, he ain't writing this They want, no want Mitchell or Torre. Oh, Mitchell's <laughs> easier to work with. Torre's a pain in the ass. Mitchell can handle it. Actually, no. This is the reason why, right? What does that say? Mm-hmm. Winner of the Pulitzer Prize. That helps, I think. That's like Academy Award yeah. winner. <laughs> Winner of the pool. How is that? Man, you know, I, I think about it like it, you mentioned the Academy Award. Those are the only two awards you can get that they'll mention. Like you'd be 60, you, you could have won it 40 years, they'd be like Academy Award winner. So I'll take it, man. You know, it's the thing you strive for. You don't, you don't think you're going to do it. And then it happens and it's surreal. Do you get a trophy? You do. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't know. What does it look like? It's a uh, glass. Thingy. You know, it's crazy. I was over. Somebody just pointed this out to me. I was at my friend's house. His name is Greg Partlow. He's a poet that won the Pulitzer in, I think, 2015. He had a party at his house, and I took a picture with it. I was like, man, this is as close as I'm ever going to get to one of these things. Nope. And I posted it, and yeah, we got the same one now. Where is it? In my office. Wow. Yeah. It's funny. Some people get big trophies like that. And they want to look at it, yeah. and they put it close to them. Uh, and some people are like, "No, no, I put that like out of sight, like yeah. in a room I never go to." Yeah, I, yeah. I don't want to keep. I want to keep pressing forward right, or whatever. Yeah. But you know, it's crazy. I never look at it. It's like a, it's a feeling, you know. But you can't live in that space. You can't create from that space. You try to create from that space, you're finished. You mean from like, let me win another Pulitzer? Yeah, or I've won a Pulitzer. Like, if you say I've won one, then it's gonna hurt what you're making because you feel like, oh, I've arrived, right? And I, for me, I have to write from a 
damn, want to hear this shit. Like, how are you going to make it better or different? Uh, so I, I, I literally probably. What does eating healthy mean to you? Whatever your eating goals, Thrive Market is the best place to get all your groceries and household essentials. And getting Thrive shipped to your door is like having a great supermarket right outside your house. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and ethical sourcing methods. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks or low sugar alternatives or gluten-free essentials, Thrive Market's got it and their site lets you curate your shopping experience quickly. And as a Thrive member, I save on every order, usually about 30%, which of course I love. And when you join, you help a family in need with the membership matching program. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a $60 gift for free. Go to thrivemarket.com slash for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E Market. Dot com slash thrivemarket.com slash On March 16, 2000, two sheriff's deputies were shot in Atlanta. Jamil Alamine, a Muslim leader and former black power activist, was convicted. But the evidence was shaky, and the whole truth didn't come out during the trial. My name is Mosi Secret, and when I started investigating this case in my hometown, I uncovered a dark truth about America. From Tinderfoot TV, Campside Media, and iHeart Podcasts, Radical is available now. Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. I have only looked at that thing twice in two years. Wait, you, what is, describe the ethos you mm. said that you write from. They don't want to hear this shit? Yeah. What do you mean? Like, I think if you take an audience for granted, that there are there's a way to not take care of them or to get into a piece slower than you need to get because you think, oh, they'll just stick around and read this. And for me, I'm like, nah, I can't take for granted that they're going to come. I can't yeah. take for granted that they're going to stay here. Yeah. I I have to make sure, and I, I have this kind of, I guess, um, anxiety over, Am I well informed? You know, am I informed as informed as I need to be about this subject? Is mm. there somebody else that said something that I haven't read that I need to? So there's always these anxieties that I'm working through on the page, which I think push me into a different space in the work. And I can't work from a space of confidence. Like every single feature, I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to do that. I actually just had a phone conversation with my editor at the Times today. Like, yeah, the last draft I turned in, I was like, oh, I turned. She was like, oh, I, I haven't heard you. I said, yeah, it took me like eight drafts, but I feel it when I turn to a place of confidence. But I start off in a place of uncertainty all the time. Mm. Every, it can be a column. It can be a feature. It's certainly a novel. Mm. Yeah. Wow. I don't know if I could get through the slog of, you know, you have a germ in your mind. Yeah. And I want to get this on the page and... I don't know if I could get through that without. I know I got this. Yeah. Even if I'm in a moment of struggling, yeah. I don't lose confidence in myself. I'm like, I know I'm gonna get this. Yeah. Not right now. Yeah. I need to go read something, eat something, take a walk. Yeah. You know, relax. You know, remove my mind from it. Yeah. But like, I know I'm gonna get it. Yeah. But it sounds like you're like well, fighting like, the war. It takes me a yourself. moment to get to that. Yeah. So yeah. there's. Like if say if if this is a hundred percent 
75% of it is like, how are you going to do this, man? And what's going to be special about this piece? Are you just repeating what you did? And then I'll I'll turn in a draft and I'll go, oh, now we're in a space where it's like, now I'm tweaking it. Like I can see where I'm going to go with this. But that's only the last 15, 25% of it. So I think you've had more repetitions than me, you know, been doing this. I mean, I was reading you back when I was in college. So, so I think that repetition gives you that confidence. Like, oh, yeah, I know I'm going to turn it. I did this thing back there. I could do this or that or this. I don't have I it. Do you find, because part of what you're talking about is an awareness of the million other options that the audience, <laughs> right? They could leave you for a TikTok, yeah. for TV, for another article, whatever. Yeah. And taking that into account, it makes you feel like, I got to be a showman. Yeah. I got to give you a big first sentence yeah. and then another one and hook you in. And it's yeah. a different way than I used to write. I yeah. didn't feel the need to like, look, ladies and gentlemen, come this way yeah. into this idea. Yeah. But now I'm like, Damn, if I don't do a cartwheel in the first paragraph, forget yeah. it. Well, that comes from my fiction training because I, I studied with this guy, Gordon Lish, and he used to talk about the first sentence was not a first sentence. It was an inauguration. He called yeah. it the inaugural sentence. Yeah. And so I really try hard to have an inaugural sentence. Like he used to say, an inaugural sentence taps into infinite options. And I really like to think of it. It puts a lot of pressure on it, but I, I love thinking of it in that way. But I just went to a talk with Zadie Smith mm. Mm, two weeks ago, and she was saying... I think they were talking to her about the new novel. She's like, yeah, I don't really put a lot of pressure on my first sentence. She's like, I used to when I was a young writer, but now I just don't care. I just get into it. <laughs> she don't care. Okay. She cares so much. She puts so much thought into it. But I do feel like the first sentence opens the door to the universe. Yes. Yes. Right? And And yes, if it's good, well, if the first sentence is good, 99% of the things are possible, right? Because I've, yeah. I've set an intention. So some things are not going to happen. I'm yeah. communicating a character, communicating a tone, yes. a direction. So these things are not going to happen. But still, almost anything could happen. And then you're going through it. You're narrow, narrowing, narrowing to the final sentence. Like, Well, it couldn't be anything but that because yes. I narrowed down to zero. Yes, yes. It's supposed to be, what did they say? Both unexpected and inevitable. And Right, right, for sure. Yeah. But yeah, the first sentence, you are... Banging a gong. Yeah. Come. Yeah. Listen to me. Yeah. Sit a while. Exactly. Even in this book, I had to fight with them because the opening is really me just singing about basketball, right? It's like, remember this play and that play. And they were like, well, Mitch, you're not talking about fashion. I was like, give me a minute. We're in, in a book, I feel less pressure to hit it immediately. I'm like, okay, I got 40,000 words or 30,000 words. Like, I can get to that, even though I still want to sing. Which it would be different if I were writing, you know, a when column or something. When you're writing a book, when they get to the first sentence, they've already committed to you. Exactly, yeah. Right? They already bought the book. Yeah. Or at least they picked it up at their friend's house, yeah. whatever. Yeah. But like, you know, in a in an, in an essay that's on the internet or in a magazine, I could right. lose you. Yeah. Right? You haven't paid. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I would feel more comfortable that it'll take a little bit of time. We still want the first sentence to be like, pow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this this is this is very much black style matters. Yes. Yeah. Right? And it speaks to how you should see us. Yes. Right? And yeah. it is beautiful to see these these masculine athletes 
performing this sort of artistry, this philosophy of clothing out yeah. in public. I agree. And playing with what it means to be a man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've so they are still probably our metrics, right? Them in Hollywood of what masculinity is. Um, you know, I I said in my um, one of my talks, I'm like, man, you get to be a if you're a if you're an athlete, you're an NBA player, you could be a hero possibly 82 times in a year. That's if your team don't even make the playoffs. You make the playoffs, you got a hundred times to be a hero. And I was like, what other world? profession can you have where you could be a hero a hundred times in a year can't do it in writing <laughs> can't even do it in the movies right like nobody is acting a hundred in a hundred movies in a year like there's no other thing where you could be a hero that millions of people see in six months do you also see you know the impact of people who have never had money yeah, well, yeah. And what they do. <laughs> when they first get it, yeah. <laughs> they first yeah. suddenly have a bunch of money. But then you can see also what they do when they've had it for a decade. Mm, yes, yeah. guys are, yes. When you get into the pictures of guys who've been around for a while, yeah. it's more refined. Yes. It's more interesting choices versus like <sighs> some of the wild stuff from early days. Yeah. I really like this guy, Jeremy Grant. Mm-hmm. I like mm-hmm. his style. Yeah, it's like bohemian, kind of like uh, Jordan Clarkson, but a little, a little different. Mm. There go another one of your skirts. We're gonna get you one, man. We're gonna have Tom send you one over, man, so you can push the envelope a little bit. But you'd have to figure out like where are you gonna wear it. I mean, the other thing is that in in American society, most women shave their legs. Yes. Right? Which yes. is part of the whole presentation of wearing a skirt. Yes. True. If you're a man and you're going to wear a skirt, yeah. L- like that's knee length. <laughs> Are you shaving your legs? Right, right. You also a lot of women when they wear skirts, mm-hmm. not all the time, but a lot of time they wear heels. Yes. Which makes their legs look more fit because you're standing on your toes. So it accentuates your leg. We don't have any history of doing that. But it's a tiny, it's It's not, uh, the boot is not changing the structure of the leg. This is true. This is true. So we are not doing all the other things that go along with wearing a skirt. We are not. We are, I agree with you. Should we? I don't think so. (laughs) I think we need to have some differences. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what do you mean we need to have some differences? I think that there can be multiple ways of how we present it. But I do think the boot is a approximation of the thing that you're talking about. Also, they're wearing the high socks, too. Everybody who has done it, most of the people who have done it are always wearing the, well, are, yeah, are wearing the Tom Brown socks. part of the thing, like, as a, as a women in their fashion advice world uh-huh. tell each other, Wear skin, show skin, yes. right? Some limb has to be <laughs> open, right? Yeah. Male fashion is cover your skin, right? You're not supposed to see a man's socks or, excuse yeah. me, his ankles, yeah. right? You're not supposed to see his back, right? But they're, we're troubling all of that now. I mean, we are in the era of, I mean, there's, what's gender, Right. So right, that right. all that advice was gendered advice. And so if we are we have reimagined what gender is, then all of that advice is is gone. Yes. And these guys are young. But we're too. only seeing a very tiny sliver of men actually play 
in that sandbox, right? Like we both can say, yeah, support it. Yeah, you know, fun, yeah, right, you know, right, go right. To, but we're not. I mean. Would you wear a skirt? Yeah, no, I wouldn't wear a skirt uh, now. But I think that there are silhouettes like these big baggy pants that are, some people would say, are, are, are more feminine. I, I think uh, it's like who's going to push the envelope, right? I think, you know, look at them now. They're painting their nails. Like, that's it's, it's all of the same a thing. Lot of, a lot of Gen Z men mm-hmm. and I guess some of the last millennials – not mm-hmm. are painting their nails. Yes, it's interesting. I've seen a bunch of guys on on TikTok say painting their nails changed people's impression of them. Like yeah. it made people coming at them think he must be a nice guy. Huh. He is a non threatening wow. guy because his nails are painted. I had a friend said if you wear glasses, it does the same thing. Really. Mm-hmm. I hadn't thought about that, that it can change the perception in that way, right? To kind of temper whether or not you were dangerous. And if you're a black man, maybe you want to do that, especially, you know? (laughs) Like Chappelle. Don't shoot. I got nails. (laughs) Wear high heels just to feel safe. Yeah, man, listen. Got to do what you got to do out here in these streets. Oh, my God. Some of these guys look fantastic, and some of these guys, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a moment, man. That's a moment. Braun in the Tom Tom Brown. Yeah, cut. You know what? He cut those too. What do you mean he cut he, them? He, he made those custom. I don't. It was a suit, and he had them cut to oh, shorts. But Tom Brown sells this now because of LeBron. I don't know if that's why he did it, but that particular suit that Brown was wearing, he had customized and made into a suit. So he was, you know, forward thinking. You couldn't do this about the NFL. Couldn't do this about the about baseball. It's not the same. It's not the same. No. I think it's rightful that the the league that is the forerunner in it was the first book. Uh but I see the NFL guys, you know, they pushing. Oh, is this is this part of a series? No, no, no. I'm just I'm no. Well, maybe they'll do a series. That's meaning artisan, not maybe, not me. Maybe they'll call me for Yeah, there you go. <laughs> You get tennis too. I go, oh my God, I can do <laughs> the get tennis book all day long. Andre Agassi. Yeah. <laughs> oh, come on. Get at me. Oh my God. I do have to win a Pulitzer to get that assignment. Uh-uh. I don't know. You got that. So, what are you doing next? Uh, working on a novel. Ooh. Yeah, about a basketball player turned cult leader. Um, still doing my column in Esquire and. Uh, Working on a feature I'm really excited about. A movie? For the Times. No, oh, no, no. A story. Yeah, feature uh, journalism, yeah. Well, tell me about this novel. Novel um, uh, is a guy named Eldridge Broussard who played basketball in college in Oregon. Uh, he was from Watts. And then when he went home, he started a youth program to train inner city kids to be elite athletes. And then those kids' parents and him started living in common. He started training the kids, and it got abusive and ultimately, his uh, his daughter was killed, was beaten to death. Um, so I knew some of the people that were in the cold because they moved. This is a real story? This is a real story. It's based on a real story. I'm fictionalizing it. So I know some people that were in the, quote, cult. And uh, I'm committed to writing about my hometown, which is Oregon, Portland, Oregon. And uh, because I knew them and because this was somewhat based in Oregon, I'm like, okay, that's the next move for me. Wow. This is a white 
Commun- no, black dude. Black dude yeah. running a cult with yeah. black, people black people following yeah. him? Mm-hmm. I never really heard of a black cult. Yeah. Yeah. How long? When did this happen? 80s. How long it, did this go 90s. on? Uh, Maybe like 10 years, I think. Shit. Yeah. What happened in the end? In the end, his the daughter was, was killed. They took the kid, found the kids were being abused and uh, disbanded it. I mean, they fought for a little while, but ultimately kids were sent off to like group homes and, you know, stuff. And that was it. And he you, died. You He died free or in prison? He died free, but under indictment. Oh, wow. Before his trial. Yeah. Why? You said you're committed to writing about Portland? Yeah. So all your fiction is about Portland? Fiction and nonfiction. My, my books. My yeah. book was, yeah. Why? Because I... I feel like it's an underexplored aspect of blackness, right? There's we got such a small population of black people in Oregon, two percent in the states, like maybe four or five in the city where I'm from, Portland. Um, and yeah, I just think there's so much to excavate about home. Like think about how much Morrison wrote about Ohio, mm-hmm. right? Like my guy John Edgar Wyman writing about mm-hmm. Philadelphia, Philadelphia, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so for me, those are the the models, right? I mean, James Baldwin was writing about everywhere, but he was also writing about uh, New York City. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so the the giants but take he was home also Europe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really he had important. a couple of yeah, you know. But but ultimately, he was he was a New York guy, you know, Fifth Avenue uptown. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, I I I take that as as the charge to 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 figure out how you can do it. And, uh, you know, you're talking about, like, how you narrow, like, you can start off with all these possibilities, but then you narrow. I like that idea of the box being home mm. and, and what what macrocosms can I get out of that. Mm. Mm. How can I talk about the world through Portland? Through home, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. Best of luck with that. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me, man. Yes, indeed. Yeah, man. Thanks so much to Mitch for a great interview, and thanks to you for listening. Torre Show gives you fuel to power your dreams because you can use your dreams like a rocket ship to blast you into a life you never imagined. You can make your dreams a reality. Maybe this show can help. You can find me on Instagram at Torre Show. Torre Show is written by me, Torre, and produced by Jennifer Brown. Our editor is Ryan Woodhall. Our engineer is Claire McHale. Our booker is Claudia Jean, and we're distributed by DCP Entertainment and we will be back on Wednesday with more amazing guests because the man can't shut us down.